your friend in the corner there, Kevy? No. Yes, Kevy Mental. Everybody, how are you? Hello, it's Kevy. It's your friend Kevy. It's been a minute. I always fucking say this. It's been a minute since the last episode. But that wasn't that a good one. The one with Steve Bays, where he told the story of doing LSD while babysitting his little sister, and therefore his parents grounded him so that he could not open for lag wagon. That's a good story. We, he and I both remember different versions of it, which is the sign of a good story and also a lie. I'm just kidding. Steve would never lie. Um, pardon my voice. I've been traveling so much. Fake Shark did the Wapiti Festival, did some dates, and then I went to... It was crazy. We did... that. That is a long drive. We decided to do the drive because we miss each other. And so we had a nice road trip, and um, and then we played, and then we stayed there, and then we drove back into town, and then I immediately had to get on an airplane to go to L.A. because my lovely girlfriend had to get a surgery. So I was out there and uh, took her to the hospital. It all went well. Um saw a cockroach in the hospital which is her nightmare it's interesting she she takes care of kittens and cats and saves them in the nastiest parts of la and she'll if she sees a spider she will save it if it's in her apartment a tarantula could go walking by and she'd pick it up and put it outside but if a cockroach walks in I've never seen a phobia manifest itself so clearly than when she sees a cockroach. It's amazing. I wish I could be so focused on something as her fear for cockroaches is. I mean, I guess they're pretty gross. I get it, you know, um, kind of. I understand. I'm trying to, I don't really have, I guess I hate heights. But if I'm in an airplane, I don't, it's like it's not real or something. So, yeah, it's interesting. They did these tests on babies when they were babies, where they put them in a room with different types of animals and insects, just to see how somebody with no bias would respond to said animal or insect. And babies were cool with almost everything. They were cool with alligators. They were cool with dogs, cats, because how couldn't they be? Um, turtles. Um, I'm just listing animals at this point. Doves, zebras, giraffes with hooves the size of dinner plates. Um, but they were afraid of two things. Spiders and snakes. So I guess inherently those are our sworn enemies. 
My girl's fine with both of those things. My friends Jen and Sylvia have several snakes and tarantulas, so they just kind of specialize in stuff that terrifies normal people. They also have a lot of weapons, and they're both trained in several martial arts, and they are also stunt people. Bad ass. Anyway, um, that's a long way of saying... Uh, I'm a little run down and then I came back and I'm finishing this Shirley Gnome record, which is really fucking funny. And then I'm me and Fionn wrote a new song and then they showed up with a cold and now I have the cold because my immune system is like a bearskin rug just lays there. It just gets trampled on. It's by a fireplace. You can lay on it. And so, um, here I am. I'm at the studio today. I'm actually just doing this while I wait for Yumi Nagashima to get here because we're going to do her podcast, Japanese Goddess Room, which we did already, but because it was left up to me to film it, I don't know what I'm doing. The footage is unusable. So that's what I'm, that's what we're going to do. What's the topic of today's podcast? Okay, no guest. The interesting thing is, is that the episodes I do of this show with no guest are the ones most people listen to. I don't know why that is. Um, the purpose of the show and switched slightly like it used to be just my only concern what really was a silly goose time and having silly goose time is still important but since i have the comedy here often podcast which is 100 percent silly goose time uh this one's i guess switched to a little bit more kind of like storytelling and a little bit more uh keeping it real when keeping it real goes right and so i thought i'd talk about when i first started playing music so this was, this was in 10th grade and I was friends with, I went to an art high school, um, some notable, I went to Langley Fine Arts High School. You had to get in via auditioning, whatever your skill might be. And so I brought a portfolio of paintings and drawings I did and I got in in the eighth grade, but the, the school goes from first grade to 12th grade. Uh, notable alumni of the school, Lewis from Fake Shark, drummer extraordinaire Nick Yakishin of Baptists. By the way, he's filled in in my old band, Fake Shark Real Zombie, on drums and bass a few times. He's a gr- he's a good friend of us, um, and now he's Dave Grohl's favorite drummer. So how about that? Uh, Simon King went there. Um, I remember seeing him in the hallways fencing. He was older than me, and I remember thinking. This really is an art school. If you see a guy fencing in the hallway of a school, you're at an art school. Uh, Shirley Gnome went there. Uh, And, uh, oh, another thing of note is there were, I went, I went to Langley Fine Arts for four years and there were two teachers that liked me. Um, The rest of them thought I was pain in the ass and they're right. Um, One of my teachers, Miss Niddle, she made a deal with me that if I shut up all day, I could have 15 minutes at the end of class to do whatever I wanted. And everyone had to watch. What did I do? Sometimes I rapped. Sometimes I did stand-up. Sometimes I did audience participation games. <clears throat> One time, did the theme song from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's lame. Um, One time I did, I did a song, I made a song on, up on the spot and I had my my friends who were in majored in dance do choreography to it. So what was supposed to make me behave myself during class 
actually backfired because in, then instead of uh, paying attention, I was just working on my hot 15 all day and then and and paying even less attention. I remember there was a report card that I got from my science teacher, Mr. Hetherington, and he said, the reason Kevin, that's what I used to go by, I'm Kevy now, don't call me Kevin. The reason Kevy, Ke- the reason Kevin's grade in science is so bad is because all he does is try and impress girls in class. So jealous, dude. So jealous that I was in there killing it conversation-wise with all the 13-year-old ladies. And Mr. Hetherington's up there with his dress shirt coming through the fly of his cargo shorts. How come science teachers always dress like Dr. Grant from Jurassic Park? Is it because that's what they aspire to be? They, every science high school teacher at home in their closet has that safari hat Dr. Grant from Jurassic Park wore, 100%. And every drama teacher dresses like Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park. Black dress shirt open, laying in the back of a Jeep. I could go on, you know. Anyway, my friends that went there with me, we were all really into metal and punk rock and stuff. And uh, and we went to start a band. We were also straight edge, which if you don't know what that is, it means no drinking or drugs. Um, there are parts of straight edge that mean no sexual intercourse too. I didn't know about that part. Um, but I was into the no drinking and drugs because I got obliterated a couple times at 13 and then I felt above stoner culture. I still kind of hate it, which is ironic considering my birthday is 420. Um, but... It's it's not rebellious. First of all, it's prescribed to old women and old men for their glaucoma. And it, it's it's not it's I don't understand why people get so excited about it. I remember the first time I did it, I was like, "Wow, this is overwhelming." This sorry, this is underwhelming. I fucked that up. I fucked that up. Said the op said the, the exact opposite of what I meant. But anyway, I was very much against that culture, I wanted to, even though my grades were terrible, I still wanted to be, feel superior and smarter than everybody. I wanted to be a, a thinking person. I wanted to be an innovator. Um, too bad I couldn't innovate my grades higher because I went to summer school three times. Summer school's great because it's just all the fuck-ups in one place. Poor teacher. whoever, Whatever teacher has to deal with those classes, I hope they're getting paid a king's ransom. Because that was the worst. I, I remember the school that I went to summer school for just had a, a drive-by shooting at it. Eh? And so my friends and I wanted to start a band and they already played instruments. And so I wanted to play in the band too, a straight-edge hardcore band. And so I bought a bass for $140. Piece of shit! But I learned on it, and I got, I got pretty good pretty quick. My fingers were always fucked up from playing, and I got really obsessed with bass playing at about 15 years old. I got really into Primus. It's ridiculous. I could play Primus songs, kind of, before I could play, like, elementary kind of level stuff. Like, I remember my friends were learning, like, Silver Chair, and I was playing, I wanted to play Primus, so I was doing all these technical things. 
And uh, and so we started playing. We played at my friend Kyle's mom's living room, which was just great for her. She's a nurse all night, and then she's trying to sleep, and we're fucking drumming in her living room. Bunch of pictures of Jesus all over the walls. And uh, and we started playing, and then I took it more seriously than everybody, and I wanted to start playing. Uh, in other bands too and I uh, I started learning how to record my own music uh, slowly and then I went to audio school while I was still in high school I went to Art Institute of Vancouver and um, around this time I got really into the band Mindless Self-Indulgence which is like double time techno punk rock and so all the music I was making was like this insane glitchy punk rock stuff. And uh, I started a band with my friend Ryan, who was ambiguous as far as sexuality goes. And we called ourselves the Young Professionals. And we dressed in drag and we gangster rapped. And I remember he would wear a dress and under it he would wear a jock strap with a picture of Elvis on it. And we became notorious around Vancouver for inciting riots basically at our shows because we would play punk venues but we were way too much for sort of typical crust punks i didn't understand what they were looking at like basically we brought out people's homophobia even though we were both straight evidently and i remember um we were playing at this place called the cobalt which is where deadpool is filmed and it's kind of a famous vancouver punk rock venue um and the owner her name is what the fuck is her name? Wendy 13. I remember we were on stage and I was taunting the crowd and calling and, and telling them they're, they're punk rock shitheads or whatever. And she was like, they're going to kill you. And I took that as such a, with such pride that she was afraid for me because of how belligerent and irresponsible I was being. So we were doing that and we amassed a group of friends who were just sort of delinquents also. I remember a girl got on stage one time from the crowd and took her tampon out. Uh, that was crazy. I remember um, I got I got like in fights while we were playing sometimes. Usually though, we'd just be playing to a crowd that just looked sad because we were just so extreme. Um, I, we were just really aggressive. And then Lewis from Fake Shark and before that fake shark real zombie started coming to the shows like all the shows i remember we played this place called ethical addictions which is like a coffee shop with all the walls were just windows and we were on stage and we were just being so offensive and i was we were like getting naked on stage and there were kids in the crowd and people were like so upset and i loved that i was really into being pushing the buttons of everybody in the audience not being likable and to me, that just felt very punk rock. And so Lewis started coming to the shows and then he wanted to start a band with me. And I remember I said the most pretentious thing ever to him. I said, uh, I'm not into instruments, which he still brings up to this day. He still, he still rubs my face and, and I deserve it. That's a pretentious thing to say. That's a silly ass pretentious thing to say. And so we started, around this time, I decided that I was kind of over having my life threatened every time young professionals had a show. And so um, I quit. 
I quit. It was the first thing I ever quit. And I just moved to Vancouver and I was living with the guy in Young Professionals. And uh, speaking of cockroaches, we had a crazy cockroach infestation and mice. And there's nothing more invasive than being in your little bed all comfy cozers and you see a rat come walking into your bedroom. And there's nothing you can do about it because they come out of the walls, they come out of your closet, they walk over your clothing. One time I saw it on my bed. We had such a bad cockroach problem that I started keeping my food in the freezer because it's the only place they couldn't get. But anyway, I quit that and then it was awkward. But I was dating a girl so I just started like staying at her place only. And uh, and then before I knew it, that dude, his friend moved into my room. And so, which was kind of a dick move, but also I was just happy I could move out without him being stuck in the lurch. Um, and then Lewis and I started jamming and writing. And we were really into bands like the Blood Brothers and Block Party. I was really into Yeah Yeah Yeahs, where both both were. And um, and we made friends with this bit. This is like when MySpace was popping off. We made friends with this band called Test Icicles, who are from England. And and the singer, one of the singers, uh, Dev Hines, he ended up becoming Blood Orange. But he was our friend, and he was just like a MySpace guy. I remember he was he was famous for having good hair, and he had a, he was very popular on MySpace. And I remember like members of the royal family were like hitting them up to hang out and stuff and um and then test high schools before fake shark real zombie even had like four songs they invited us to tour with them and so it was a u.s tour is what it was and then we were like fuck yeah and so i guess we better write some more songs so we started putting it together and then sam who was the other guy in test high schools like basically just decided he didn't want to do it and he he quit and we were crushed everyone was devastated because they were blowing up and he quit right at the pinnacle of it and um and there sam felt bad he was our friend but he was like i tell you what um we're doing five we're doing a farewell tour through england why don't you guys come play with us on that and so we did and so that was my that was my first time touring abroad was england and scotland and so we went over there and there's footage of, of it on youtube still us playing the Astoria in London, England, super legendary venue that's gone now. Like Radiohead released a DVD of themselves playing there live. And uh, and you can watch the final Test Icicle song. There's balloons going everywhere. Uh, we're all on stage with them. <coughs> Damn you, Fionn. And, uh, and so we did that. And then because of that, there's a Japanese record label there called Vinyl Junkie and they signed us and brought us to Japan like three months later. And speaking of being sick, we had done another UK tour around that time and I got pneumonia. We were touring and I had pneumonia. And at the time you could smoke in venues in England and everyone smoked all the fucking time. I hate that. I gotta say, I hate cigarette smokes. I hate cigarette smoking. I hate cigarette smoke. There it is. I got it. It smells awful. I think people who smoke don't know they smell awful. Okay? <coughs> so sorry. And so I was just fucking dying. I was so sick the whole time. And then we immediately... That was a month-long tour, and then we immediately went to Japan, which was... It was funny. It was going from, like, the worst 
tour to like the best tour in a row. Like it was my first time flying first class. All our shows that were sold out, they're huge. Uh, we were just treated so well. Uh, still to this day, that's my favorite tour I've ever been on. Um, and so that was kind of the beginning of Fake Shark Real Zombie. Another cool thing is that Henry Rollins, who was like my hero growing up from Black Flag, he started playing us on his radio show. And so I formed kind of a relationship with him. Um, I haven't talked to him in years. Uh, the last thing I heard from him is he liked Fake Shark's song, Cheap Thrills. And so uh, when he'd come to town, he would guest list me for his spoken word shows for a little while. And that was really cool. He's still one of my heroes. I still really look up to him. But um, but yeah, that was kind of the genesis of me starting to play music. and then, And then when I started, basically, I started working with this producer named Dave Ogilvie, who's like a founding member of Skinny Puppy. And then he worked with Trent Reznor a lot, who was like another, another person I really looked up to. Um, I started doing some programming for him. And then through his band, Jackalope, we played a show with Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, she opened, which is hilarious, at Library Square in Vancouver, a venue... I was banned from from when Fake Shark Real Zombie played there and broke every glass in the venue. And uh, I made friends with her, and I did a remix of a song called Tug of War. And then we started writing. This is a long time ago. This was like well before Call Me Maybe hit. We started writing all the time, and then she started suggesting me to her manager, Jonathan, who owns 604 Records, which is my manager now. And so she kind of got me signed that way which kickstarted my career and then the first album i ever produced was louise burns her album melodrama which was the first release on light organ records ever and so those two really in essence made my career um so i'm thankful to both of them and then and then when i started writing with carly we wrote like seven or eight songs and then Call Me Maybe came out and blew up. And uh, just kind of changed all our lives, her life especially, obviously, and then uh, the label I'm on and my management and everything changed. And, you know, I was kind of able to quit my day job around that time. My last day job was I worked at a record store called HMV. And uh, I did zero work. And my manager was my friend Erin. She was aware of this. She helped perpetuate my slacker behavior. I literally used to be, I worked in the jazz and classical department, and I'd post on Facebook, hey, going to be in the jazz and classical department at HMV, come hang out. And I remember one of the assistant managers, this this older dude was like, yeah, I'll, come, I'll make sure to come do that. Like, he kind of busted me, but kind of like didn't care, you know? It's a cheeky. And so uh, that was my last day job. I remember I handed in my two-week notice, and the GM of HMV treated me like I was making a huge mistake. He's like, well, good luck out there. The music industry's tough. Because he knew that better than me, because he was the GM of HMV. He's like, okay, fine, good luck. We'll see what happens, okay? May not be a position left for you if you want to come back, but, uh, you know, to each their own, you know, I don't know any other businesses that are going to let you come in and dust off the Uncle Bucks. 
arrange the Trons, alphabetize the Dion Warwicks. I don't know. Good luck out there in your career. But um, yeah, I'm okay. So let me just tell you, this is days later from when I started this podcast. <clears throat> I literally stopped it the other day because I was coughing so much and I felt bad for you, the listener, doing that to you. This is Fion's fault. This is actually the second time they've given me a cold. Just from being in, in the closed quarters with them. Because I just produced their album. And they are like me where they get run down. And then they just eat sushi all the time. And then they're sick. And then they come in and work with me. And then, then I'm sick after. Because my immune system is a doormat. It's a welcome mat for bacteria. Because I don't know how to sleep. And so when the common cold comes rolling around, my immune system's right, like right this way. Right this way, bacteria. Right this way. Do you want to see around his brain? Do you want to see around his lungs? Can I show you around his lungs, bacteria? Have a look around. Take what you want. Enjoy yourself. Stay the night. Stay the week. I'm going to have them on my podcast just to bust them from making me sick twice. <sighs> anyway, I think that's a good length for a solo episode. You know? I'm going to get Fionn on this so I can bust them, so I can really bust their chops. You're like 13 years old. He's going to be great. Okay, thanks for listening. I'll check in with you soon. Bye. I'm all black like the Raiders. You wonder how I did it? Album anticipated. It was the night in it. With two outs, I hit the home run to left field like harder did the Philly. Do you understand me? <laughs> really? No Magava tactics can stop my theatrics from making ladies backlit. Understand it's all about the sexuality. He end up your set like a tropical. Stop it. My UVs will burn your skin, in your optics. 21 years is groundwork. People hear me coming, so haters got mad work. But understand it's all about the swab, diggy dogs. Let's ride. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side or west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. Just ride. From Cali to NY, you know we all ride. From the Florida Keys to DT.